Welcome to Mincast, the podcast by the Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. From the land of the Rubik's Cube, I'm Norbert. From the frozen south, I'm Joe. From Kolkata, the city of joy, I'm Nishant. From Bardtown, I'm Moss. From the buried and frozen Midwest, I'm Bill. And back from outer space, I'm Leo. This is episode 380.5, recorded on Sunday, the 6th of February, 2022. Livestream information is at mincast.org slash livestream. If you see something that you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us an email at mincast at mincast.org. Join us live on YouTube, post at the Mincast subreddit, chat with us on Telegram, Discord, Facebook, or post directly at mincast.org. In our inner section, we strive to become certified Linux administrators and discuss the LPIC1 test. And finally, the feedback and a couple of suggestions. So in this episode in our Linux Nerds, we decided to talk about the LPIC1 exam, which is the Linux Professional Institute certification for Linux administrators, which Nishant is planning to take very soon. And uh, we had the idea of inviting Leo because he is very well, what's the word I'm looking for? Instructor. I teach it. Yeah. <laughs> he knows his way. It's, that's yeah. it. I, just, yeah. I teach it. I talk about this all the yeah. time. Yeah, he so. knows his way around the administration stuff. Let's just say that. So I guess this is the point where I uh, hand it over to Leo and Ishad because I'm not really, I'm not really traversed in the, that's the word I wanted to say. He's very traversed in the administration stuff, which I am not. So this is where I will hand it over to you two to carry on this segment. Okay. So you want to get certified. Uh, if that's the goal, I guess there's a there's, there's a couple of things you have to identify first, and I think the first thing that you got to do, un- as unfortunate as it is, um, is you need to identify your budget. Uh, I assume that absolutely everybody asking this question has a zero dollar budget, so that's kind of what I um, what I look to outside of you know actual classes. If you're asking this and you're not enrolling into classes. I don't think uh, you're you're coming at it from well. I got seven thousand dollars to spend. Can I just go to a boot camp one week and pass it? Yeah, you could do that. But um, yeah, so I'm assuming zero dollars. That is correct. So the yeah yeah and and I think a lot of people do this, especially for the for the entry level exams like LPIC one, like the A plus, um, Network plus. Uh, I guess CSENT used to be a thing. The Cisco Enterprise um, entry level. Network tech used to be a thing. They don't have that anymore. But uh, for for the certifications like that. So anyway, assuming zero dollars, there's still a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of resources that you can get your hands on. And the first foremost being the exact the, the actual exam objectives for the test that you want to take. So in this case, LPIC one is two parts. It's 101 and 102. And when I first started looking at it, uh, it looked to me like one was easier and the next one was harder, but it turns out that's not really what they're doing. Um, it's, it, it, it is two parts. One is not more difficult than the other. They just don't cross over. There's a, there, there are some topics in the 101 test that just don't get covered in 102. And so they're, they're just making sure that you take that half of it as well. Okay, Leo. So if I may say so, 101 sounds like the basic part and 102 sounds like the advanced part from what I have read on so, the internet. 
sort of, I guess, because it gets into more of the details, but it's not harder. It's just different stuff. So, right. So, like, they cover desktop environments. The weight is very low, so it's not like you need to know everything about KDE, GNOME, XFCE, EX11, XDM, CP, VNC, Spice, and RDP or anything. You just need to be aware, including their history, <laughs> right? So, like, graphical desktops are not hard, and doing system control, isolate, whatever is not necessarily hard. It's just in the second part. So. Again, I, I don't think one is harder than the other. It's just different stuff so that means, done that that don't really overlap. This means using the terminal will be second part, or will it be covered um, both? That's my. If I look at the weights, so they have these things weighted between one to four, four being the highest weight and one being the lowest. Graphical desktops are weighted as one. Oh, I'm sorry, it goes to five. Administrative tasks are weighted as five. So, like, if you look at that topic and look underneath um, what the objectives actually are, what they want you to know coming into a test like this. You need to know how the Etsy password file is set up, how it works, what it looks like before and after you use users, how in the world do you get a user to you know, have a, uh, a user ID that is not necessarily in line with just the next default user ID. The, the, shadow, the shadow file, the group file, the Etsy scale directory, um, you know, changing age and, and the aging of accounts and things like that. So there, there's just a lot of stuff. But when you look through these, you want to pay attention to the stuff that's weighted higher first, especially if you're, if you're stuck on time, right? Like if, if you have two months, you have two months to prepare and you one. don't think you can cover everything. Okay, so one month. And you don't have time to cover everything. Focus on the fives, then on the fours, then on the threes. And when you run out of time, you run out of time. But you keep working at it from the most highly weighted thing on the way down. So, you know, if you ran out of time, oh, well, you didn't touch on graphic graphical desktops, but there's probably going to be a whole two questions on it anyway. So it, it'll be fine. Okay. Um. So yeah, the, the the best thing you can do for yourself is just the official exam objectives, go look at them. And if there is a word or a file or a command that you don't understand, spend some time on that. The ArchWiki exists, go look it up. That is extremely important. So um, practice tests exist out there for free. They're not the best, but they're great in terms of kind of can you read a test question and understand what they're asking and then give a correct answer? That's extremely important uh, for this kind of I stuff. If I study from, I have a RHCE book from RHCE for RHEL 7. So does that book count towards this exam? Like if I study a bit if from you, that? Yeah, if you can ace the uh, the tests, the like the end of unit tests and the, the tests that they have at the back of the book, uh, you'll be fine. No, LPIC. basically, it's the Red Hat's uh, certified right. engineer. You'll be fine. Material. You're going to be missing some stuff because the 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 Rel book doesn't cover Zipper or Apt. Oh, okay. So you're going to be missing a lot of stuff. But I mean, the general consensus of those books is going to be exactly the same. But since I already know that I have used App practically, Apt practically, since I'm using a Ubuntu distribution right now, so. I mean, as long as you can answer some of the basic questions that that come up in the package management thing, like where where are um, uh, sources 
stored in an oh, app-based okay. system. That I um, need to do know, a bit more study on that. I know the right. top thing, like sudo apt get install something, something. Right. So they, they may very well ask you some basic questions like that, but they're going to want you to be able to at least basically configure apt as well. So that, I think, is just something that oh, you'll Oh, I didn't do. know that we could configure it. I thought it was already like that. You can. Oh no! You can you can wait things. You can exclude packages. You can include packages. You can pin packages. There's all kinds of cool stuff you can do with apt that nobody ever really talks about because it falls more on the administrator side of things. Because all I want to do is install Steam. I don't care about pinning. You know, that's usually how that goes. So interesting stuff to explore before I take the exam. Practically on There's Ubuntu a lot. distribution. Yep. Use the objectives that I have linked in the show notes to get you a list of things you need to look into mm -hmm. and then look into them. Okay. Uh, when you're done looking into them, check out Penguin Tutor. Take those take those quizzes. Well, if you want to install Steam, you might still want to be sure to include Xorg. Well, uh, hopefully you have Xorg in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speak of it, yeah. Uh, I remember something like this but when I was installing Fedora. I wanted to exclude package kit because I don't want it to manually because I don't want it mm. to didn't want it to uh, automatically refresh package lists. So I just to the dnf.conf I wrote exclude equals package kit, and that seems yeah. to be similar to what you're talking about. But for yeah, it, right? and the 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 thing about that is that that's something that will likely come up in the test as well. So you have to know DNF or at least yum, but they're interchangeable for the most part. So if you learn, yeah, one, because learn uh, rel and everything rel derived uses DNF, right? Mm -hmm. So um, so use Penguin Tutor. There's a bunch of questions. Uh, they, I think they have like a test bank of like 300 questions or something. So there's lots to to cut your teeth on and, and try to understand. Um, then I don't know how they did this. It's probably um, not. Uh, you know what? I don't know. There was a link to a YouTube video that I have in here that is basically the a Cloud Guru course. You normally pay like 50 bucks a month for a Cloud Guru. I don't know how it got on YouTube. I'm not recommending this to absolutely anybody. If you are unsure, as I am, of the legitimacy of the status as far as copyright goes on that particular video, don't click on that link. But, um, yeah, you know, the link exists. Anyway. I'm already... Uh, Linux courses at Cybrary. Check those out. Um, I don't think they have any LPIC courses, but they have Linux Plus courses and those two exams um tend to cover pretty much Leo, the same I stuff. have a couple of 2022 boot camps on Udemy Linux boot camp Oh good yeah use those of course if you've if you've got them use them okay. um then the the last thing is there are four guides out there that are amazing for answering any question that you might ever have in any particular environment that you've got number 1 is the arch wiki but arch doesn't do things the ubuntu way so for that, there's the Ubuntu server guide, but they don't do things the Red Hat way. <laughs> and for that, there's the Red Hat systems administrator's guide, and but they don't do things the way that OpenSUSE does all the time. So for that, there's the OpenSUSE leaps reference guide, which is an analog to SLES, which is their actual enterprise operating system. Nice. So those things are the canonical, excuse the pun, source for this information. Go use them more than penguin tutor more than the youtube video though the youtube video is kind of cool that's more than cybrary look at the canonical sources for this information because that is the real answer you mean to say like official distribution sources correct in this case ubuntu correct. in this case red hat 
and open source. Yep. If you want to know how Ubuntu does it, ask Ubuntu. And Ubuntu told you in the Ubuntu server guide. So check that guide out for the real actual answer. So the I, I guess if you just want one straightforward path to learning all of this stuff, I'd say uh, go to the 101 objectives, click on it, and identify each one. Anyone that you're unsure about, take it to the Arch Wiki, read everything you can. Do not be afraid to click the links. Click them and read those too. Because anything that the objectives leave out, because on the objectives it's like, this is mostly what we test on, but they're implying that there are things that that uh, they will test on that are not written down. So what you're meant to do then is in the Arch Wiki, click on all the links because anything they might test you on, I guarantee you there's a link in the Arch Wiki that will explain exactly what it is. And by falling down the link hole, you learn about it anyway. So you'll have a good base to start from. Yes. And then find that same thing in the administrator guide or the server guide for the distro that you want to learn about. So if you once you read about it on the ArchWiki, go go see what the Ubuntu server guide has to say about it. And then the Red Hat guide and then the OpenSUSE guide because there will be little differences. And LPIC does need you to know the difference between the three major uh, distributions, right? Red Hat, Ubuntu, and OpenSUSE. So that's pretty much it. And if there is an example that comes up, there's a command that they ran in the book or there's a command that they ran, um, or in the guide, I mean, or there's a command in the Arch Wiki, find a way to run it. Run that command. See what it says. See, actually, get it wrong as well. What about see what using it the says when you get it wrong. Uh, man pages are great, but I feel like they're really, really convoluted, to be honest with you. Um, the server guide does a better job of explaining what things are. Um, but of course, I mean, the man pages are... The man pages, it's 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 written by the same team that wrote the, the program. So, of course, it's going to be good information, but people that write code don't necessarily always write good documentation for layman folk. It's great, great for other admins because they, they know the terminology and stuff, but not always so great for uh, people just starting out. True. So be aware. Um, yeah, server guides are good for that. Anyway, um, don't be afraid to ask questions. And if you feel embarrassed about it, create a burner account and go ask those questions on Reddit, in Discord, on forums, whatever. No, Do I not don't. be afraid to get things wrong because here, here's a secret on the internet. Here's a secret. On the internet, nobody knows that you're a dog. Well, also true. If you get something right and ask, like, is that correct at the end of it? No one will come. All you will have is tumbleweeds. What you need to do is ask a question and then answer it incorrectly. I guarantee you within an hour, someone's going to be there to probably m rudely correct you. But ignore the rudeness and just take the correction because that's the real answer to the problem. So answer questions wrongly and someone will come correct you. So basically, or have two accounts, ask with your main account and then give a wrong answer with <gasps> your burner account. There you go. And then someone's going to try and slap you down. That is absolutely in actually... Yeah, every time. <laughs> and it's great. So use that to your advantage. Psychology, it's fun, isn't it? Speaking of Reddit, uh, someone recently posted a photo about them finding an old book and asking whether it's still relevant. And I think it was the Unix and Linux system administration handbook. Oh, oh my God, yes. Yes. Better than any server guide. These people run it for millions of customers. So if you're going to ask someone, does it really work like that? Those are the people to ask. Buy that book. Not for this test, but just to have. It's amazing. 
one of the one of the names on the book, actually the first name on the book is Evil Name is Evil I'm not sure how to pronounce it yet. Is it yep. because the the name it is is a very common surname here in Hungary it means it means uh, German. So I assumed oh, oh wait, the, she must be of Hungarian origin. And yep. uh, I looked her up and she was regarded as the mother of Sismar administration. Yep. So l- let me just put it into context how good this book is. Tim O'Reilly So you know him as the name that shows up with all those weird animals on the front of the books dealing with system administration or programming type topics. Tim O'Reilly himself said that this is the book they try to write every time they write anything up to this standard. So the, the, the guy that owns the company that sells the most technical books in the world looks up to this book. For what he does. So, you know, be aware. This is it. Can you share the link to the book? Yeah, Unix and Linux System Administration Handbook. Uh, this is the fifth edition, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll get you a link later. Okay. So, yeah, if, if you're if you're really, if you actually care about beyond LPIC 1 and LPIC 2 and RHEL and all of these other uh, exams, if you want to actually be good at your job, that's the book you want. I actually want to get enough knowledge that I can just do some consulting on my own for the company. Oh, that's cool too. Yeah, I mean, but but again, this book is going to help you with that. So get get a couple of certifications, get some credentials under your belt, and then take that book as a reference. It's amazing. So back on LPIC though, let's say you do have a tiny budget and you can scrape up like 20 bucks. If you can do that, go get yourself a copy of the Cybex Practice Test. It's a thousand questions in a book form and it asks pretty much everything in every possible way. So it's a great resource to find out, you know, if you can get 85% on, you know, 100 questions in a row, you're probably ready to take the test. Do the next 100 and see. Do the next 100 and see. Um, you know, eventually you're going to memorize the answers to some of those. So it's not infinitely useful, but it's going to be useful for finding out whether or not you're ready. So you can usually get a used copy for like 15 bucks. Oh, okay. I'll have a look if it's available in India. Because yep. we have so many and, uh, if, book markets. If not, there's a... Yeah, but there's there's you could probably find a web version or a PDF version of it as well. So, you know, if you can find that, that's just as good. Um, if you've got a little bit of cash, though, if you do have some money um, and you don't necessarily uh, want to do it all on your own, I mean, this is when you've got the budget to, like, subscribe to CBT Nuggets or IT Pro TV or something for a month or two. And just essentially get a whole course on it. That's fairly cheap. If you've got more money than that, you're probably looking into enrolling into a college or a boot camp or something like that anyway. So they'll have better advice uh, as you go on. But um, this was written, again, as kind of a guide for someone that doesn't have any money, that is wanting to do uh, this all on their own, has enough money for a voucher. Convert you know? this to Indian rupees. Like go to Amazon.com uh, and... Maybe. (laughs) Surely you can. The price you mean? You can just just Google for currency exchange. I don't trust those. Those are not accurate sometimes. What do you mean? How much? Was it 15 bucks? Or what did you say, Leo? Uh, it was like thirteen ninety nine the last I saw. Oh, so okay, but, forty. But that's so, in the American market, though. I don't okay. necessarily think that'll translate. So, but regardless, if I just type forty USD in INR, it says. Uh, sorry, I have some internet issues again today. Three thousand rupees. It's going to be fairly cheap, and if if I mean if you really have to, surely the PDFs on the internet somewhere. 
So, you know. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't pay the author. <laughs> like in software, we say. I agree. I agree. But buying a used copy doesn't pay the author either. But uh, if you're on a budget, you do what you got to do. And used is not wrong. So anyway, the test, I don't think, is particularly difficult. The, the difficulty really kind of comes in when you realize the breadth of information that they're, that they're talking about. Um, if you've ever heard the phrase, uh, inch deep, mile wide, that's it. Where you don't really go that far in depth to any of these things, but there's just so much on the menu that it, you can easily get lost and it's very easy to forget little details when you're sitting there in the hot seat, sweating, worrying about 20 questions from now, and, you know, something just escapes you. It happens. So it happens the, the only way to really combat that. Maybe. Yeah, it does. The only way to combat that is to make it so that these things just pop up into your mind. And the only way to do that is to do it a million times. So that brings me kind of to my last point, which is if you're interested in passing – all you want is the credential. Then easily. In two months, eight to ten hours studied per week, you could probably do it in less. But the the point about that is that you're just memorizing facts to answer questions. That's not going to help you when you're actually in front of something that presents in a way that you've never seen before. You've you you skipped the troubleshooting part. What my understanding is, like if I just memorize it, it'll mean like no use to me so if i'm actually working it'll, in it'll, the it'll still be useful if i'm working in an actual system admin environment for example or maintaining my own system it won't feel like i want to like with less practical practice i don't think anybody can do that right think about it like this right i mean you've seen people swing hammers before and hit the nail every single time right they get good at it so you can see that and you can understand that, oh, well, you swing the hammer down. You got to have good aim. There's there's something about the weight of the head that makes impact that that really drives the nail in there, right? And so you can understand the rudimentary aspects of what a hammer does. But can't does, does that knowledge allow you to actually successfully use a hammer? No. What allows you to do that is swinging the hammer yourself. Putting those topics that you've learned into actual practice – Yes. makes the difference between someone that knows how to use a hammer and someone that can use a hammer. So that's what I'm getting at here. You can know how to pass this test, but passing this test doesn't mean that you can actually do it in real life. The people that can do it in real life are the ones that ran every single command out there in a VM multiple times to figure out what it does, what it doesn't do, and what it says when you get it wrong. That's more important than getting it right. Sure, anybody can copy and paste, but when it tells you something that, you know, so-and-so is wrong in this particular space, can you go fix it? Did you spend the time to go and look and find out whether or not you, yourself, can fix it? I have made many mistakes when typing sudo app get, like, without the hyphen sometimes. So it just prompts me that, please try this. This is the wrong yeah. way to do it. Or you can just write sudo app without the get part. Well, true, but but you know, in his case, could you have figured out the answer without the the bash prompting you and telling you that that's what you should be doing? Because in Debian, it's not going to tell you that, and in other more baseline distros, it's not going to tell you that. Yes, you just true. have to know. Yes, but if you're so, if you're already trying to run your your package manager, then I then I, that assumes that you know about your package manager and what it's called. 
well, Linus didn't know about it, and he just borked his system. So, I mean, you can say that, but and sure, as an admin, you should. But I, I think that it's a long road to being an admin, and there's a lot of failing and getting it wrong and borking your system before you get there. I think admins have a lot of pressure on them for maintaining the customer's servers and all that stuff, right? Well, they do. I mean, just look at the SLAs they agreed to. It's 99.99% uptime. I think a lot of those have gone down. AWS has gone up. So, yeah, there's a ton of pressure. Uh, they were outside of their SLA when they when they brought down Route 53 and broke the internet. So, you know, <laughs> that, well, the pressure was on, man. <laughs> I totally understand how much pressure they will be having maintaining large-scale servers, like production servers. One downtime and the whole company grinds to a halt. Yeah. So the last thing I'll say on this is the test itself is pretty straightforward, as I mentioned before. There are only two types of questions that you're going to get on it. Multiple choice and fill in the blank. So you either know it or you don't. There, There's no in between here. There's, there's nothing that you can really do short of, oh, a question three questions ago mentioned that. Oh, yeah, that's 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 as lucky as you're going to get. But if you if you don't know it, then you don't know it. Um, so. The other thing is, uh, if you run out of time, if you got like five minutes left and you got 20, 20 questions to go, just guess. Just fill in, fill it in. Just guess. Because if you don't, you get the question wrong. But if you guess and get the question wrong, well, at least you guessed. And you might just get it right. So, yeah. And even if you have to guess, you might be able to still eliminate some answers. So maybe if you have four options and you can dis- decide between three, but you know the fourth one is definitely wrong, then it's easier to statistically, it's, you have a better chance of guessing, right? Yeah, you've seen those commands enough to know that, you know, spelling F-S-C-K wrong is definitely not the right answer. So yeah, exactly. I mean, eliminate as much as you can and just guess. But F-S-C-K might be what you want to say at the end of the test too, so... All right. Well, that's it. I mean, basic test prep, study, study, study as much as you possibly can for... Uh, Make VMs, VMs, VMs. All the VMs, man. You need to have one VM of everything, if not two, if you can spare the space and just make it work. You can you can install so many different VDisks in a single VM that you can easily do all the RAID and LVM and all that other kind of weird disk and partition management stuff they need you to do. Um, multiple NICs, so you can do um, uh, you can do split horizon and break networking and do all kinds of weird things, set IP addresses. Yeah, all of that. If I can't do it on my computer, can I ask one of you for assistance? Like remote SSH in and then... See, the funny thing about that is that you're going to have to learn a lot of networking to be able to let someone SSH in. TeamViewer might work. Yeah. You can just SSH into one of your VMs. It's a little bit difficult to SSH into a VM. No, I think in, I think in VirtualBox you can just uh, set it up to have a, a internal IP address assigned by your router. No, I just asked because I don't have the space for it right now. Well, the the thing is, then just do one or two at a time. You don't have to do them all at the same time, but you do need to set up some scenarios where you can actually test out the thing that you're supposed to be testing out. Like, SSH doesn't work with just one machine. Well, I guess technically it does. You can SSH into yourself, but that doesn't really solve anything. So, you know, you, you have to understand the IP addressing part of it to be able to fully say that, yeah, I can do SSH, I can generate keys, I can push them over, and I can use passwordless entry and all this kind of stuff. So you, you've got to actually do it. That's that's 
if you take one thing away from this, it's do it. Don't read about it. Do it. And that will make way more sense. Okay, so this was exactly the reason I moved to Linux full-time. That's why I moved to Linux full-time. Good. So you can do it. Yeah, now never left. Yeah. I'm not leaving anytime soon either. Windows. Good. Except for when that new DLC comes out that's not working on Linux. Yeah, but if you have two machines, then yeah, set up a passwordless SSH between them and, you know... It's one of the objectives, so you better do it. I did try it on uh, Fedora. I had Fedora on my HP laptop, and then I used to SSH into that and then run it on my main. Yep. But it was with a password. Just do it. I never learned to be an administrator, but coincidentally, one of the first things we learned uh, when we started using Linux uh, is to do a passwordless login. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. Mm. So they set you up for success, really, because that's, yeah. that's the way the world does SSH now. Mm. Wait, uh, and if you don't, well, passwordless you're behind SSH? the times. Yeah, yeah you use the... keys instead of passwords uh, because it's way more secure. Way, how way far, more secure. How far we have come, like when... Um... My dad was working as a project manager. He got certified in Windows 2000, Unix, like both sides of the coin. Now we are we can choose which we want, like either Linux or Windows system administration. You just made me feel really old. Uh, Joe, my dad is like 50 years and above now. My first Windows certification was Windows 98. Okay, Leo won. All right. See you later. Stay safe. Have a, have a good rest of your day. And we we hope to see you soon again on the show. I'll be back. See ya. Just another piece of general in uh, tip for preparing for exams that I discovered that really helped me was flashcards. Especially when you have to memorize a lot of information that you have no other way of, of learning, just, just brute forcing it into your brain. Flashcards help a lot. And now let's move over to vibrations from the ether. We have one vibration this week. Uh, who wants to read it? Go ahead, boss. Dylan Berger writes, Hello, Mintcast crew, and thanks as always for this amazing podcast. As a very loyal Mint user, I've been very pleased by the amount of positive press that Mint has been getting for its 20.3 release. Mm -hmm. And well, it should, because it really is excellent. However, I thought that the 20.1 and 20.2 releases were equally awesome, and they undoubtedly did not see the same positive coverage. If anything, it was negative. So I'd be curious to hear why the hosts think that it is different this time. Am I wrong? Is 20.3 just patently better than the prior offerings? Is it timing of the release? Just momentum from a few positive early reviews? Thanks again. Looking to the next show. Best regards, Dylan B. Well, actually, that baffles me as well. No, I think it is uh, momentum from early positive reviews. So, at least that's all I've seen. I haven't seen anything negative about it yet. Just positive reviews so far. Um, I don't remember seeing a lot of negative reviews about 20.1 and 20.2 other than the um, kerfuffle that kind of went on with uh, snap packaging. Yeah, that was 20.0. Yeah. So. And I don't think any of that was relevant to the 
release that was out at the time. I really can't explain the reason behind all of the love we've been getting in all the other podcasts. But yeah, the the, the thing about the snaps might be might be that the negative uh, opinion sort of uh, carried over to 20.1 and 20.2 and it affected the reception of those. Possibly. Well, we've this is our third point release and I think by now people that were negative on it have found out that yeah, it really works right and Clem probably made the right decisions in the first place. And so you can't carry on your negative feelings. I don't know if it's the snaps or it's just the fact that Mint, as as all these other distributions have been fighting over what's more or less the best or worst technology, Mint has just been offering something that works. You know, that somebody can, anybody for that matter, can can install on their desktop and it just works. You know, we haven't been, uh, we haven't gotten into the whole Wayland or the pipe wi- pipe wire thing. You know, it's um, all these arguments that all the other desktops get into. I mean, yeah, the snaps thing, that was a thing. But I mean, it, it's not like there was software out there that we just can't get on mint because we're not we choose not to use snaps you know um other than that though i mean i've been impressed with all the i listen to a lot of linux podcasts and they talk they've been talking in the last few episodes a lot about mint and it's been overwhelmingly positive uh, even even some of the the uh podcasts that have been uh shall we say critical of mint in the past have been quite a bit positive when it comes to using i really enjoyed 20.3 and if time comes i would make it a permanent daily driver if i have to it's a good release i really enjoyed it not at, at least, least for, for a, week. a week i'll stretch it <laughs> to one year but i'll try my best because it looks so windows like so that's what said me well, i don't know the cinnamon it doesn't version. look anything like Windows 11. I'm not sure where that comes from, but it does follow it the paradigm. It looks like Windows 7, Bill, the one that was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that because I've got a machine that ran 7 pretty poorly, and then I put uh, 11 on it, and it ran a lot better. No, I'm not saying that I don't hate it. I just would like to implement, like, meant to implement that layout change so we can use it as a dock in between as well well you can install i mean it's linux you can install anything you want on it you know when it comes down to it like cinnamon should implement that uh, layout change feature to be honest well maybe maybe they don't want to overcomplicate it because cinnamon is supposed is, is geared toward the new users, the beginner users exactly yes and users might not be interested in a layout switcher and you can just customize your panels manually anyway so you can move the panel to the top remove the window buttons and install dock and you're good to go okay yeah if you've got the inclination you can make it look any way you want really let's go ahead all right let's move over to check this out And in check this out, I I put two links here today. One of them is a tool called Extension Manager, which is a better alternative to the official GNOME extensions app, and it's packaged as a flat pack. It's available on FlatHub. And its most notable feature is that 
is that besides uh, editing and configuring your extensions, you can also use it to search extensions from extensions.gnome.org and install them. So it essentially removes the need for a browser and a browser extension for installing GNOME extensions. And it's kind and it's kind of baffling to be honest that the official GNOME extensions app doesn't have this feature built in, because when someone starts using GNOME and they might know and they might discover that you can use extensions, f- having to figure out which website you have to go, which browser extension has, have you have to install in case you don't have a Chrome GNOME shell, installing that as well, which connects uh, your GNOME shell to your browser extension, it just simplifies all of that. So it's extension manager on FlatHub. It's not an official GNOME project, but it was included in one of the GNOME weekly newsletters, so much like the unofficial uh, Slack Verizos that kind of makes this more official than others. Believe it or not, Arch ships with this by default when you install GNOME in the GNOME Extras group. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay, it was developed by Matthew Jackman, and you can just install it from the FlatHub. The other link I put here is a GTK3 team called ADW GTK, which uh, recreates the looks of GTK4 slash Beta apps in uh, for GTK3. So if you, if for example, this extension manager is it's using uh, GTK4, so in case you want to have the looks of uh, GNOME 42 in GNOME 41 or earlier with GTK3 apps, or you might be using GTK4 apps and you want uh, the GTK3 apps to look the same to blend in better, you might you could have a look. Uh, you can have a look at this theme. Does anyone want any to add anything to that? All right, all right. Then let's move to announcements. Our next episode will be at 2 p.m. U.S. Central time on the 20th of February, 2022. Uh, you can also get this converted to your own time zone with the link in the description. Our next live stream will be 2 p.m. U.S. Central time on the 12th of February, 2022. You can convert this link to your to your own time zone as well. And now for our wrap up. If un- if you want to reach me, you can send me an email at norbert at mincast.org. Joe, when can we find you? Yeah, okay, sir. Well, if you like the sound of my voice, you can uh, listen to a couple of my other podcasts. I'm on the Linux Link Tech Show. That's at TLLTS.org. I'm on the Linux Lugcast. That's LinuxLugcast.com. You can find me on MeWe. You can send me an email, jb at mincast.org. Or if you can get to the show notes, you can buy me a coffee. Moss, how about you? You can email me at bardmoss at pm.me. Uh, you can hear me on Full Circle Weekly News every week and Distro Hoppers Digest roughly every month. And my other contact information can be found on itsmoss.com. Nishant? Uh, you can contact me at nishant at mintcast.org. And if you want to collaborate on a p- project, it's recongost at GitHub. And if you want to play some games, it's Maverick00783 at Steam. That's about it. I noticed how you skipped your <laughs> Instagram. All right, Bill? Right, yeah. So I'm for now, I'm uh, Bill at Mincast.org. I'm Bill underscore H at Discord. I'm at WCHauser3 on the Twitter and WC Hauser 3 on the Facebook. And before long, you can get a hold of me. Well, you can get a hold of me also 
on my other shows email uh, show at 3ftpodcast.org. How about you, Leo? Oh, Leo ain't here. Yeah, he had to leave early, but you can find him at leochavez.org and at leochavez on Twitter or at leo at c.im on Mastodon, as well as on his other podcast, Linux User Space, on linuxuserspace.show or you can buy him a coffee at coffee.com slash leochavez. Joshua couldn't be here today, but you can reach him at joshontech at midcast.org, at joshontech on Twitter, and most other social media, as well as on his other podcast, Crowbar Kernel Panic. And the other, other Josh, or as I like to call him, Josh the Third, he couldn't make it to the airder, but you can reach him at jt at midcast.org, Josh Sacker on Discord, and at metal underscore false on Twitter, which is, in my humble opinion, the best Twitter handle in the history of Twitter names. Before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make Mincast possible. Josh Lowe for his work on the website, Hopstar for our logo, Initardi for the animated Discord logo, and Londra for our time sync, Bytemark Hosting for hosting Mincast.org, and our Backup Bamboo server, Archive.org for hosting our audio files, HPR for our Backup Bamboo room, and finally the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we, like to t- we love to talk about. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter, at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music, and thanks for listening to this episode of The Mint.